If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well, now on the 535th day of 14 days to flatten the curve, school is back in session and there's been a renewed battle on masking, especially on our children. Now, schools spent bazillions of dollars, taxpayer dollars on stupid plastic dividers and enough cleaning chemicals to give our kids brain damage. Tonight, we've got the data that you need, everything you need to know how to fight back against these folks that are so unwilling to look at the science and the numbers themselves. Most of these board, at board of Education overlords, they're drunk on their power. And the fact is, either these people elected to oversee education are just flat out unwilling to be educated, the irony, or they're just towing a political narrative for whatever reason. Either way, despite what they say, none of their decisions are for our kids. Let me be clear. Now, my first selectman in Greenwich, Fred Camillo, look, he's a nice enough guy. If you want a dog park, he's the dude to get you one. But he's really bad at government. He's just instituted a mass mandate townwide, including at the gym that I go to. Now, I confronted him about this yesterday. In fact, you know what the first thing he did was? Pull his mask down to yell at me. Kind of defeats the purpose, right? You see the irony here? Look, if he wants to wear his mask because it gives him some sense of security, fine, be my guest. My issue with him is that many tyrants like him is that it's imposing his personal beliefs on others with no evidence to back it up. I told him that mandating masks was ridiculous, and he was a coward for going along with these whiny liberals, especially over our children. But here's the thing that really scared me. He told me he was going to send me the data that proves it's saving lives. Now, obviously, there's no data to support that. It's just a talking point. I'm going to prove it in a minute. But what is so scary is that he, the elected leader of my town, hasn't even looked into the data himself before making these policies. By the way, it's been 36 hours at this point. He has my cell phone number because we've known each other for 20 plus years. Still hasn't sent me the data because there isn't any. But here's what the problem is. These people making policies and, you know, they respond to the most outspoken group of whatever the issue of the day is. Okay, and it's not normal folks like you and I flooding his inbox saying, oh, we don't need masks. It's a bunch of whiny liberals who actually believe what they hear on CNN and they they have nothing else to do. They just be outraged all day. So you know what, folks? Maybe it's time for you and I to contact his office and other people's like his office because we don't want our kids masked anymore. That's the kind of pressure that's going to change this policy. It's time for us to step up and be outraged. And since they're not going to listen to the facts, they better darn well start listening to their constituents. Now, Fred, like I said, nice guy, and so many others like him are legislating out of fear from the liberal outrage machine and not, not on science. And we're going to prove it right now. From the COVID king himself, Dr. Fauci, masks are really for infected people to prevent them from spreading infection to people who are not infected. The typical mask you buy in the drugstore is not really effective. I do not recommend that you wear a mask. He even said it on camera. It's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is. And often 
there are unintended consequences. People keep fiddling with the mask and they keep touching their face. Yeah, no surprise. The thin paper thing that you leave on the table, shove in your pocket and then put back on your face doesn't do a darn thing. Seriously. I mean, folks, we got to get past this. This is Dr. Fauci, the golden calf of the left. Let's get a little bit more sciency, okay? The size of the COVID virus is 125 nanometers or 0.125 microns across. The basic cloth of the paper mask and that you're sending your kids to school with only filter out particles greater than 500 nanometers. Even the N95 mask, the holy grail of COVID protection, as we were told, the smallest particles that it can be filtered out is 300 nanometers. Think about that. Now, I'm not a mathematician, but by my calculations, Masks our kids are wearing, you know, the, to save lives and all, allow three or more COVID molecules to basically hold hands and walk right through that mask. In other words, the holes in all our masks are three times bigger than the virus molecule itself. A doctor described it to me as putting up a chain link fence to keep out mosquitoes. I was a doctor. This false sense of security being portrayed by this propaganda effort has taken entirely the wrong approach. It's all been based on fear mongering. And like I said, I'm not a doctor. I don't even pretend to play one on TV, but I have this neat little thing called the interwebs where there is a significant amount of research on as many angles as is published, but you have to know where to look. Look, we've established the basic numerical understanding of why masking really doesn't work. So why are we still doing it? I get shouted down on social media for, but no one has been able to provide me any evidence to the contrary. Fauci was even asked this, and this was his response. It was completely pathetic. If you have a physical covering with one layer, you put another layer on, it just makes common sense that it likely would be more effective. Please wear a mask. You should wear a mask. We need to do that. That's the immediate thing that one needs to do. But you don't have any evidence to point to this, and you're a doctor. In fact, I have evidence that masking has no measurable effect on society at all. Philosophical arguments aside, let's discuss, not argue, whether the mass mandates even work based on the merits of the data and science. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki loves to say, follow the science, and then not state any science. That only adds more skepticism. So Jen, strap in, because here comes the fact smash. All right, California was among the earliest states to initiate these lockdowns and these mass mandates. Gavin Newsom introduced the mandate June 19th, 2020, at which point the daily infection rate was 3,893. Now, California did not see the peak of nearly 13,000 infections until July 21st, with subsequent spikes in excess of 12,000 cases in August. And now they're climbing again. Let's look further into the data, science and stuff. So in Utah, the number of infections actually rose after mandates were put into place. The same thing happened in North Carolina. Now, in Hawaii, the numbers did actually initially go down, but then they went right back up again. Rhode Island is actually the only state that had a continuous downturn of mask mandates, but, 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 they were already declining at the time the mandate was imposed. So you can really attribute to the drop of man to the mandates. It's not that. Despite all this data, the societal trials, everything we know, they want to keep your kids mass indefinitely in schools. And there's no reason to. And this is what's getting a lot. I, I, I mean this to, a, there's a lot of parents like myself, and we're really angry about this. Now, the Wall Street Journal and all their resources published a piece, Do Mass Reduce COVID Transmission in Children? And believe it or not, we couldn't find a single retrospective study 
on the question, and its results were inconclusive. The Wall Street Journal said this. They go into the list of the negative effects of masking our kids. Masks can cause severe acne, other skin problems, discomfort of a mask, distracts some children from learning by increasing airway resistance during exhalation. Masks can lead to increased uh, levels of carbon dioxide in the blood, and masks can be vectors for pathogens that become moist or are used for too long. So what the hell are we doing this for? Now, there are roughly 73 million children in our school systems. And while obviously any tra death of a child is completely tragic, in this last flu season, we only had 400 children die of COVID, most of which were associated with some comorbidity. That's a death rate of 0. 0.0005. Well, where was the same outcry in the 2018 to 2019 flu season, before COVID, you know, when 480 children, more, died of just the flu? To date, according to the CDC, only 3,649 children have been hospitalized for COVID. Place that against the fact that during the 1819 flu season, there were over 52,000 hospitalizations just for the flu. Folks, are you curious yet? This is the data that they're failing to give you. So in the absence of any real argument on masks, keeping in line with basically any democratic policy, the answer is more cowbell. Enter phase two as they're telling us, mandatory vaccines to stop the spread of COVID. Think about that, to stop the spread of COVID. Listen carefully. And they're pushing this onto kids faster than you can possibly imagine. Even though it's not approved yet, it will be. One problem here, the vaccines don't stop the spread, keyword spread, of COVID among anyone, let alone kids. We've all seen this headline, person passed COVID to whatever, 100 people, and he was unvaccinated. I mean, that's what the headline implies, that he ha had he been vaccinated, then he somehow wouldn't have passed COVID on to anybody. I repeat, the vaccine does not stop you from getting COVID. It does not stop you from passing COVID on either. The CDC said it all himself. About uh, all the fully vaccinated people who get the breakthrough infection, can they pass it on? Could they pass it on to their children? Could they pass the virus on to older people, especially more vulnerable people with the underlying health conditions? And that's exactly the point that we made in our guidance. So, yes, they can with the Delta variant. So the vaccine is solely designed, and this is what it's for. It's solely designed to lessen the effects of COVID once you get it. Again, it does not stop you from getting it, and it does not stop you from passing it on. Case in point, in Iceland right now, 96% of females, 90% of males above 16 years or older have received at least one dose of the COVID-19 vaccine. But tests are showing that a large number of residents there are still being infected with COVID. But you know what? The country has not had a COVID death since May. This is what we want. So the vaccine is doing exactly what it was intended to do. And if you want it, you should get it. That said, millions of folks who have chosen not to get vaccinated have also recovered from COVID. There is an active campaign to suppress this information as well. And we have the receipts. Trust me, baby. We got this. All right, so I've talked about this on the show before, but on Google, the internet search engine whose employees donated 90% to Democrats, if you search COVID-19 natural immunities, there's a series of quick answer dropdowns. Almost all of them deliberately give you very little information or sometimes false. One even says people who've had COVID are twice as likely to get reinfected than those who get vaccinated, CDC says. Hmm, weird, because if you type the same thing into DuckDuckGo, the second article to pop up is, drumroll please, 
an article citing the NIH, you know, the National Institutes of Health, who published an actual study on this. And since we're doing science and data stuff here, their study actually says the complete opposite. The article states, quote, antibodies protect against COVID-19 reinfection. And some of the research that is referenced in this, you can, you can only find on DuckDuckGo. It's, it, it's shocking to me. Researchers looked at more than 3 million people who had an antibody test. They analyzed up to 30 days, 31 to 60, 61 to 90, and more than 90 days after. Now, about 3 to 4% of people with negative antibody tests, I mean, people who haven't had COVID or hadn't had vaccine, got COVID in each time period. But those who had antibodies, meaning people who have had COVID, were less likely to have COVID as, as time went on. Only 0.3% of the people with antibodies had a positive COVID test after more than 90 days. Science. So according to the data, the thing that should drive this conversation, and quite frankly, the policy, is that you are 10 times more likely to contract COVID if you do not have natural antibodies from recovering from the infection. Again, I want to make this super clear. You are 10 times less likely to actually contract the disease with natural antibodies that you retain from recovering from COVID versus the vaccine that only stops the severity of the virus once contracted. Big distinction here, folks. All right. Yet your Internet overlords don't want you to know that for some reason. Why? Because it's about control. It always was. Again, please get the vaccine if it's right for you. But it's ludicrous to lock people out of public places because of vaccination status like they're doing here in New York City. You can't get a cheeseburger with that one, especially since the CDC and the White House are not mandating it themselves for their people. What sense does that make? The party of my body, my choice more on the Supreme Court decision of the Texas abortion law in just a bit, but the left wants you to blindly listen to what they have to say and are willing to collude with the world's largest search engine to hinder your ability to get the information to have an educated discussion with your doctor. Crazy, right? The mainstream media is all but running airstrikes on anyone again, for anyone, for anything they state that dares make masking vaccines a personal choice, masking or vaccines a personal choice. And the front lines of this debate right now is you and I. Unfortunately, it's unfolding on the lawns of our schools. Now, the problem is that no conservatives, none, are telling people they cannot wear masks. All we're saying is that you cannot make anyone else wear a mask. You're free to wear one yourself. No conservative is saying you can't get vaccinated. We're simply saying, you can't make anyone else get vaccinated if you don't want to. Oh, you can get vaccinated if you want to. Oh, and here's the data. That, that, that's what I'm making the decision with. We want to give the data by the people who just spent four years in the streets with pink hats chanting my body, my choice are now saying it's not your body. It's not your choice. The government should tell you what to do. And because they don't have any data to support their tyranny, they just scream that you want to kill people. It's absurd. Folks, Literally nobody wants anyone to die, of, especially of COVID. So that talking point is just beyond dumb. The second the cases even tick up slightly, the media pounces as if the pandemic had been reignited. Now, the goal was never to eliminate COVID. I don't even think that's possible. The goal was always to manage it. Even the agencies supposed to be void of politics or, for lack of better terms, infected by it. They're weaponizing fear for control. So folks, it's time to go to your town hall meetings. It's time to stir the pot because what they are doing is way out of the bounds of their authority. I'm done with this game. I'm done with people like my first selectman, Fred Camillo. This is America. 
we're free, and you're not going to tell me to put a diaper over my face. You're free to wear one if you want to, or not wear one. I don't care. It's up to you. You're free to get a shot if you want to, or not. So let's let freedom ring. Well, Joe Biden said nobody could have predicted the Taliban would take over Afghanistan so quickly. Well, that was a lie. Could a phone call between Biden and the president of Afghanistan be an impeachable offense? Mark Meadows and Alan Dershowitz coming up after the break. Hey, I'm Rob Carson, host of the Newsmax Daily Podcast. Tired of boring traditional news updates? How about one with a conservative point of view? And it's actually funny. You can subscribe for free on the Apple Podcast app, and it downloads directly to your smartphone, so you can listen while driving, uh, to work, riding a bike, at the gym, or even while lobster fishing off the East Coast. Subscribe today with the Apple Podcast app, or go to NewsmaxTV.com slash podcasts for other platforms. Something's The idea that the Taliban would take over was premised on the notion that the uh, somehow the 300,000 troops we had trained and equipped was going to just collapse. They were going to give up. I don't think anybody anticipated that. The consensus was that it was highly unlikely that in 11 days they'd collapse and fall and the leader of Afghanistan would flee the country. The truth is, this did unfold more quickly than we had anticipated. So what's happened? Afghanistan political leaders gave up and fled the country. Well, that was President Biden saying no one predicted the fall of Afghanistan would happen so quickly. But that's pretty suspicious when less than four weeks before the fall of Afghanistan on July 23rd, Biden and Afghan President Ghani shared a phone call where Joe urged President Ghani to demonstrate a more capable military defense and to change the perception as the Taliban made significant gains. Well, let's take a look at the transcript from the phone call. I need not tell you the perception that things aren't going well in terms of the fight against the Taliban. And there's a need, whether it's true or not, there is a need to project a different picture. Joe, if you thought the U.S. troop withdrawal was going to go smoothly in Afghanistan, why urge President Ghani to lie? Joining us now to answer that question, former White House Chief of Staff and Senior Partner at the Conservative Partnership Institute, Mark Meadows. We also have Professor Emirates at Harvard Law School University and author of Guilt by Association, Alan Dershowitz. Mark, I want to go to you first. I mean, we've seen a president be impeached over a phone call. Is this any different? Well, uh, obviously, this is different, uh, but I'll leave uh, it up to my esteemed colleague, Mr. Dershowitz, uh, who will give you the constitutional uh, requirements. But, but let me just tell you what we do know. What we do know is that it was an intentional decision on behalf of President Biden to leave uh, 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 Americans behind. And we know that the, he had the intelligence uh, that would suggest that not only was the Afghan government following, but at that particular point, he encouraged a foreign leader to project a, and lie to uh, support his lie that he didn't know about it. And the reason I know that is, I mean, we, we had plenty of intel. This was not a failure of intel, uh, intelligence uh, because we had intelligence back when I was in the White House mm -hmm. that would 
suggest that there was real problems coming. I can tell you there's a, a strong demand. Uh, I've been across the country and, and people are furious because of 13 soldiers that lost their lives because of an intentional decision mm -hmm. that the president had made. And quite frankly, they are calling for impeachment. I mean, so, Mr. Dershowitz, or Professor Dershowitz, my thing here is, like, you are obviously a very accomplished lawyer. You've been in the courtroom for two impeachment trials. Um, the president of the United States encouraged a foreign leader to lie on behalf of him to encourage something. Is this grounds for impeachment? No, not to principled Republicans who oppose impeachment based on the phone call that President Trump made to the leader of Ukraine. I oppose that impeachment, and I would impose this impeachment. It might be a good reason for deciding not to vote for uh, President Biden in the next election or Democrats in the next election. But the Constitution specifically requires criminal-type behavior. Treason, bribery, other high crimes and misdemeanors. Treason is specifically defined in the Constitution. It just doesn't meet the constitutional criteria. Now, you know, hypocrisy is rampant in Washington, uh, not with uh, Mark Meadows. He's a very principled man. Uh, but there are some Republicans mm -hmm. who strongly oppose the impeachment of Trump who would now welcome. Uh, and, and they say, look, the Democrats impeached him, but two constitutional wrongs does not make a constitutional right. I was opposed to both. Yeah. So, Mark, the, 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 we have more of this, this phone call between Biden and, and President Ghani. The, uh, the president again talk to Mr. President, we are facing a full-scale invasion composed of Taliban, full Pakistani planning and logistical support, and at least 10 to 15,000 international terrorists, predominantly Pakistanis, thrown into this. So it's clear that President Ghani warned Biden about the Taliban and how bad it was and where it was coming from, and it was coming from also Pakistan, a nuclear power. How does someone just ignore this serious warning if they even care about America? Well, you can't ignore this kind of warning, and, and quite frankly, it's uh, it's the kind of decisions that General Milley and Secretary Austin uh, have projected that they didn't see this coming. I, I can tell you that's just not only a false statement, but it is it is at best. Uh, starting to border on a, on a cover-up to suggest that somehow they were surprised by this, I can tell you that that is not the case. Right. Uh, they, they knew full well that when, when they made the decision uh, to not provide air support for the Afghan governments, they, they knew that. I mean, I, I've had it come out of General Milley's lips before while we were in the White House. And so uh, here's, here's what we do need from President Biden. We need full transparency. Mm -hmm. He needs to come clean on what he knows, when he knew it. And quite frankly, when he made the mistake, he needs to apologize to the American people instead of trying to blame someone else for a decision. And, and quite frankly, something that could have been totally avoided. Mm -hmm. That, you know, that's, I think, the key that he's missing here is if he just came out and apologized, it would be, it wouldn't be perfect. It would be a lot better, though. So I got about 30 seconds or left, Professor. What, it, what, if any, are the legal consequences for him encouraging a foreign leader to lie on behalf of a failed policy? Well, there are no uh, legal consequences. There are political consequences. When the framers debated impeachment, some of them thought there should be impeachable consequences for maladministration. But James Madison said no, and that was defeated. And instead, we made it almost impossible to impeach and remove. That's mm -hmm. why we never have impeached and removed a sitting president. The, the option is political, not legal. Wow. Well, there you go. Mark Meadows, Professor Dershowitz, we appreciate you joining us.
Thanks. Thank Good to be with you. All right. Coming up, the world seems to recognize the real present terrorist threat that the Taliban poses. But what about the President Biden? Does he consider the Taliban to be the United States' number one threat? Congressman Louis Gomer after the break. Information. Truth. Is freedom. Is Newsmax. It's real news for real people. Well, President Biden has allowed Afghanistan to fall into the hands of the Taliban now. This is a matter of life or death for American citizens and our Afghan allies trapped behind enemy lines. We left those people behind who we promised to protect. The former vice president of Afghanistan, Amrul Saleh, recently planned, penned a, a letter to the world. He wrote in part, quote, if the Taliban are the reality of Afghanistan, do not look at Kabul airport, but talk to any Afghan. They will tell you that they want to leave the country and they are not going to work with them. Well, that letter sent directly to Congressman Louis Gomer, who has a longstanding relationship with our allies in Afghanistan's Northern Alliance. Congressman Gomer, he, uh, you have spoken to these guys. You probably know this Taliban enemy just as bad, uh, j just as well as anybody else out there. What do you say yeah. about this? Well, let me just say real quick, your, your monologue was spectacular. You made such good points. May add one more to emphasize how right you were. Uh, some employers are demanding people get vaccinations, but or to keep their employment. But what the employees need to say is, I understand that even workers' compensation doesn't cover you if you're disabled by the vaccine. Say, okay, you just sign right here saying that you will be liable for any adverse consequences because the pharmaceuticals are not liable. So that said, thank you so much for bringing up our allies in Afghanistan. And, and listen, Biden can't act like he understood the right. Taliban were, was our enemy because during the Obama-Biden administration, they have been just sucking up to the Taliban. They mm. have been begging them to reach some kind of agreement. And I've been imploring for years on behalf of those who fought for us, had family die serving us, fighting with us, for us. And these are our true allies. And Carl, what they've been saying for years, going back early in the, uh, the mm -hmm. Obama and Biden administration is, look, we know you can't stay forever, right. but right. we're scared if you leave with Biden and Obama in charge, we're all going to be killed. So all we're asking is that you give back the weapons you gave us that allowed us to defeat the Taliban in late 2001, early 2002, and uh, help us amend the Constitution that you gave us that allowed the president of our country to appoint the governors, mayors, police chiefs. Mm. And that's what I talked a number of times to our allies in Afghanistan about. But I can tell you, Carl, under the Obama administration, they tried to keep me in Kabul. I was in Kabul. I had a meeting with the ambassador and some others. Mm -hmm. But I was going to meet with our allies, and that included Salih and Masood and, and Abdullah Abdullah, uh, Rabani, right. a bunch right. of those guys. And I was told I couldn't go. 
And I told them they were going to have to take me down to keep me from going to meet with our allies. That's so this is not a new thing for Biden. This has been the Obama-Biden approach all along, to abandon our allies and suck up. And if you go back during the Biden-Obama administration, you'll find they were offering to buy them luxurious offices and and I think it was UAE. They were offering all, oh, yeah, kinds, offering of all kinds of things to try to buy them. Yes. Yeah. So this is nothing new. This is Biden and Obama right. still right. trying to pull the wool over America's eyes. Yeah. And as some of our Afghan friends and allies have said, we're going to get the U.S. is going to get harder than we were on 9-11. And this right. time. Right. They won't have anybody left alive in Afghanistan that will be able to help us. Congressman, That's tragic. real quick, because I want to get to something else, but real quick answer here. Uh, is there any update on getting Americans out of Afghanistan right now? Thanks for asking that. The State Department is not granting clearance, which they've got a grant so that planes can take off, mainly from Panjir up in the northern e mm -hmm. northeast area. They're not giving them clearance to let them Actively get out. They're stranding them there. And it is an outrage that they're going to let these Americans and our friends die. Yeah. Well, I mean, meanwhile, we have terrorists running rampant over an entire country that we used to own. Um, yes. And they've, they've, you know, just about two months ago, the Biden administration came out with some light bathroom reading here. I have it right here. The National Strategic or Strategy for Countering Domestic Terrorism in there. In this nice piece of toilet paper, they have uh, a, a line in there that says, basically, if you don't want to wear a mask, you're basically a terrorist. If you um, question the election, you're basically a terrorist. Has this administration really lost foresight at what is actually threatening America? Yes, they have. They cannot figure out who the real enemies are. Right. But they will when the Taliban hits us again because of this absolute, I think, treasonous way yeah. that they have helped our enemies, gave aid and comfort to our enemies, and not given any aid and comfort to people they've, Americans and our allies that they left behind to be killed in Afghanistan. Yeah. It is so yeah. outrageous. Yeah, it's crazy. They're using you know strategies and white papers like this in order to silence their political dissidents. Uh, Louis yeah. Gomer, thank you very much for joining us, Congressman. Appreciate it. Thank you. Great show. Great points. Thank you. Thanks, sir. All right, a historic Supreme Court decision today, the high court upholding a strict new abortion law in Texas. We're talking to Attorney General of the state of Texas after the break. Well, a historic Supreme Court ruling today, justice is upholding what could be the strictest abortion law on record. That law passed the state by the state of Texas. Joining me now, of course, to discuss this is Attorney General Ken Paxton in Texas. Sir, you had a five to four victory in the Supreme Court today. Tell us a little bit about what the law is and uh, what's on track. So first of all, I'm really pleased with the Supreme Court's decision. It's not the final decision. It, this lawsuit was about stopping us from implementing our law, which went into effect yesterday. The law is pretty simple. You you uh, you you are subject to being sued by individual people if you are somebody involved in an abortion with a child that's six weeks or has a heartbeat. So it's very simple, and it allows private plaintiffs to sue. And the Supreme Court didn't necessarily uphold the abortion law. What it did was let us keep it in place until. We get sued and we go up on the, on the merits. Which you know will happen. Uh, one of the things making news right now is Sotomayor's uh, dissent to the opinion that basically granted you guys the ability to implement this while it's being challenged. What did she have to say? 
Well, I mean, she wasn't pleased. She said it was unconstitutional. I completely disagree with her. I, I mean, if we go back through the jurisprudence on this, obviously, Roe v. Wade was created out of nothing. There was no precedent. There was no law. They claim it's a constitutional right, but they basically created this right that, that had never existed before. And they overrode all of our state laws, including Texas. And the reality is it should be local jurisdiction, local states making those decisions. And we can all have different opinions about that. You can live in the state you want to live in, and, and it should be elected representatives, not judges making these calls. I mean, it's very interesting. Well, Jen Psaki didn't really agree with it either. Take a look what she said. Following up on the census law, why does the president support abortion when his own Catholic faith teaches abortion is morally wrong? Well, he believes that it's a woman's right, it's a woman's body, and it's her choice. Why does the president, who does he believe then should look out for the unborn child? He believes that it's up to a woman to make those decisions uh, and up to a woman to make those decisions with her doctor. I know you've never faced those choices, nor have you ever been pregnant. But for women out there who have faced those choices, this is an incredibly difficult thing. The president believes their rights should be respected. Go ahead. I think we got to move on. I think we have to move on. You've had plenty of time today. Go ahead. Well, uh, first off, Mr. Attorney General, did, did Jen Psaki just assume that person's gender? I mean, I, I think that's incredibly rude, no? A little bit rude, but I'm not surprised by her reaction. Obviously, yeah. you know, President Biden is, is strongly in favor of, of abortion, and he wants no limits on it. He doesn't want states having any control over it. And the reality is that's not the way it should be. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is crazy to me. But, you know, on the Tenth Amendment gives the states certain rights. Do you think, uh, how do you think this is going to turn out when it goes actually through the motions of the actual Supreme Court process? I still think we're going to win on the merits. I think the Supreme Court, we're also, you know, behind a case in Mississippi where they've got a 15-week ban. We filed the amicus brief with 23 other states. It's the first head-on direct challenge of Roe v. Wade. Mm -hmm. And our, our point is really simple. They, this law was made up. They keep changing the, the rules. When they get new Supreme Court justices, the, the, all the rules change on what, how you can do abortion. And it, and it really creates a problem for the states because everything is uncertain for us. It keeps changing. There's nothing in writing. Right. And the reality is that's not the way the law should work, not on something this important. I agree. Well, Texas, you guys also did something insane down there. The state, for mm -hmm. some odd reason, reinforce the Second Amendment into law by allowing gun owners to keep and bear arms publicly under constitutional carry. You don't even need to have a permit like this. CNN made it seem like that you guys are the worst, terrible, no good people. Take a look at this. This was the headline. Now, this is CNN right here. Texas can now open carry guns in public without a permit or training. Police say the new law makes its job, you know, makes it harder to do with their jobs. You know, I want to bring in Cam Edwards for this. He's the host of Bearing Arms here as well, sir. But uh, I'll go to you, Mr. Attorney General, first. The, the issue here is you guys literally just upheld the Second Amendment. Why is there such a problem with this? You know, it's interesting because I think for so long it hasn't been recognized that people have the right under the Second Amendment. It's not that we need government permission. Mm -hmm. And that's the way these states have worked. We've, asked, we've had to ask permission. And we don't have to do that with the First Amendment for speech. I've never understood why you have to have a permit or permission from the government when the Second Amendment explicitly, as you showed there, allows everyone to, to the right to bear arms unless they fall within certain categories of being a felon and things like that. Yeah, I mean, Cam, it's pretty simple. Bear arms. It's two words, right? Yeah, it is pretty simple. Uh, and I think it's so simple that the gun control advocates really don't have an argument against this other than this is icky. We don't like it. Uh, it's going to lead to chaos. And, you know, uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Mr. Attorney General, but Texas is not the first state in the union to do this. Texas is the 22nd state 
in the union to pass constitutional carry. So we've seen this experiment conducted and not a single state has gone back and repealed this law because it caused all kinds of problems because it doesn't. Right. Well, Mr. Attorney General, you know, you preside over a state that has, uh, you know, Plano, Texas, the number one lowest per capita murder rate in the United States. And they have the one of one of the highest gun ownership rates. So can you explain to me why this could possibly be in, inferred as a bad idea? Look, we've already had concealed carry forever. And if you look at the statistics, it has never made sense to me that they make these arguments that people having the responsibility of, of, of bearing their own arms have created problems. There's no, there's nothing, there's no evidence showing that. As a matter of fact, if you look at the states that don't allow this type of freedom, they're the ones that tend to have the higher crime rates, the higher murder rates. In Texas, we've 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 run the gamut now, and we our experiment of of honoring the Second Amendment has worked out well for the citizens of Texas. Yeah, well, Cam, I got about a minute left. You made the case uh, to me, actually, uh, on, a, on a different show, that do you or do you not have the right to not lay down and be a chalk line on the ground? That's what it comes down to, correct? Absolutely. And I think it also comes down to, do people really want to criminalize the exercise of a constitutional right? Because that's what we're talking about. When you say you have to have that government-issued permission slip, you're also saying, if you don't, we're going to charge you with a crime. Right. It could be a misdemeanor in some states, but in other states, it could be a guaranteed two, two and a half years in prison, a lifetime felony offense for something, again, that is legal, not only in the state of Texas, but almost two dozen other states. Yeah. So, you know, we've got the Supreme Court taking a look at a right. right to carry case out of New York. I hope that they're going to be able to provide some clarity. But I, I'm just thrilled to see this in uh, Texas. I wish that we had a chance of getting it in Virginia where I live. Yep. Look, I own a ton of guns. I've never done anything illegal with them, and I believe true happiness is a belt-fed weapon. Cam Edwards, Mr. Attorney General Ken Paxson, thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks All right. What's today's Supreme Court decision on the Texas abortion law could mean for the future of Roe v. Wade? Dick Morris is up next. All right, so this morning, the Supreme Court denied a request from Texas abortion providers to freeze a state law that bans abortion after six weeks. Now, this means that the law will remain on the books and can go into effect. Now, the legislation allows private citizens to sue anyone who assists a pregnant woman seeking an abortion. Now, liberals are outraged over this. Uh, obviously, they're outraged over everything. But in Justice Sonia Sotomayor's dissent, she wrote, quote, a majority of justices have opted to bury their heads in the sand. Wow. Strong words. Joining us now to discuss on the matter is former advisor to Presidents Clinton and Trump and host of Dick Morris Democracy, Dick Morris himself. And we also welcome constitutional law attorney and former legal counsel to President Trump, Jenna Ellis. So, Dick, I want to go to you first on this. This is a very interesting decision because it allows a law to go into place while it's being debated because you know it's going to be challenged. What is the fallout for both Republicans and Democrats on this law? First of all, it's really great to be appearing with Jenna. I have so admired the statements she's made on this subject, and they've been so Thank eloquent you. and moving. Um, Thank you. I just want to emphasize that I'm going to talk about the politics mm -hmm. of this, not the merits of it. Correct. On the politics, it could be very bad for the Republican Party. Uh, there is a clear 60 to 40 majority in the country that wants abortion to be legal in, quote, all or most cases. Mm -hmm. 40 want it to be illegal in all or most cases. And the Republicans have largely escaped getting clobbered with that issue by 
dealing with fringes of it, walk, walk, nibbling around the edges of it. Republicans say, okay, but what about Medicaid abortion? Well, we're against that. Right. What about third trimester? Oh, no, we're against that. And the liberals have said, well, what about rape and incest and, and, and the issue of parental consent? But this is squarely on the issue of legality of abortion per right. se. And if this becomes the major issue in the 2020 election, I believe it could re-elect Nancy Pelosi as speaker. I, that would be something. I, I didn't even think that was possible at this point. But, Jen, I want to turn to you on this. I, like, I'm not a lawyer, obviously. I don't even play one on TV. However... I feel like the Constitution protects life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So wouldn't it just be easier for the Supreme Court to say, look, this is when legally life begins, and now the argument is over? Well, it would be very easy for the Supreme Court to actually follow the Constitution and say that, first and foremost, this is a state issue. There's absolutely nothing in the U.S. Constitution that provides the federal government any specific enumerated power whatsoever to uh, weigh in on this issue. And Nancy Pelosi came out today and said that, uh, shockingly, because this isn't a super precedent, apparently, that now she wants Congress to codify Roe versus Wade. And Nancy Pelosi, my challenge to you is is show me in the text of the Constitution in Article 1, Section 8 that specifically enumerates the powers to Congress, where on earth do you read into that constitutional language the power that you have in Congress to put forward this type of legislation? It's a power grab. It's what Democrats always do. Mm -hmm. They refer to the Constitution, but they don't actually read the plain language. The Supreme Court needs to read the plain language and on that basis alone say that Roe versus Wade and all of its progeny was unconstitutional and protect life. Yeah. Dick, uh, Jen Psaki weighed in on this today. Why don't you take a listen? Following up on the census law, why does the president support abortion when his own Catholic faith teaches abortion is morally wrong? He believes that it's a woman's right, it's a woman's body, and it's her choice. Why does the president, who does he believe then should look out for the unborn child? He believes that it's up to a woman to make those decisions uh, and up to a woman to make those decisions with her doctor. I know you've never faced those choices, nor have you ever been pregnant. But for women out there who have faced those choices, this is an incredibly difficult thing. The president believes their rights should be respected. Go ahead. I think we got to move on. I think we have to move on. You've had plenty of time today. Go ahead. Pretty fiery and White House press secretary got a little testy there. So, Dick, I got about 30 seconds left. Political fallout for this? Well, I, again, this is an issue the Republican Party uh, will gain on in certain parts of the country. But in swing districts throughout the country, it's a killer. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I'm very worried about this decision. I kind of feel that Biden got clobbered in Afghanistan and our chances yeah. of taking the House soared. I think that we have to stand for the truth regardless of the politics. And I'm really proud of President Trump for always doing that. We need to follow in the conservative, constitutional footsteps of our founding yep. fathers and stand for truth regardless. I'm interested to see where this goes. Jen Alice, Dick Morris with us. Thank you very much for joining us, both of you. Thanks. All right, I barely made it to work today. You'd think we'd just survived the storm of the century. Well, what's wrong with our infrastructure here in America? We're going to find out in a minute. All right, guys, it took me like an hour or actually like three hours to get into the uh, studio today. And that's because our infrastructure is complete garbage. The infrastructure to 
get all this rainwater out that came down over the last storm. It's not, it's not like this is like anything new. This has happened before, okay? Maybe not to exactly this volume, but our infrastructure should be able to handle it. Now, the problem is it's 50 to 100 years old, and now Congress wants to spend $3.5 trillion on social infrastructure, but our sewers can't take this much flow. That's because everything was built so long ago, and it wasn't built to handle the current load that it has. Folks, this is a crisis. Our bridges are crumbling. Our tunnels can't take the water. Grand Central was closed. Grand Central Station was completely closed. Infrastructure. All right, folks, I'm Carl Higby. Don't worry, Greg will be back next week. Stand by for my man Stinchfield. We'll see you tomorrow.